Welcome in. Thank you so much for joining us on the CCA California podcast. My name is Chris, alongside my good friend, Mr. Kevin Nakata. Kevin, what's going on, man? How are you? We are here with another great guest, and as usual, we're going to talk about... Actually, this week is going to be some some very interesting, different content. Um, I don't think we've ever done anything like this so far on the podcast, so we're excited. I was just about to say a little bit different, a little bit different than normal, but I'm super, super stoked about it. Guys, before we get going, make sure to follow us on Instagram at CCA California. Also, make sure to share the podcast. We'd love to continue to grow. Um, like I said last week, we see those numbers rise every single week, and we certainly appreciate you listening. So make sure you catch us on the podcast, share it with a friend, do whatever you need to do. Let's get started. We've got Jackie Rosa from the Blue Latitudes Foundation. Jackie, what's going on? How are you? Hey, I'm good. It's great to be here with both of you. Yeah, good to have you. Good to have you. We're very excited to have you as a totally different part of our normal gig, which is all sorts of detailed fishing. Uh, have you ever seen a blue uh, bluefin tuna eat a flying fish before? I wish I had. Okay, okay. See, <laughs> now we're getting into some of that stuff. We're going to talk about all sorts of stuff, and um, I, I guess that your favorite fish is, is yellowtail? That's correct. Uh, see, a lot of fans out there are going to totally jump on board and be, and be right there with you, so... Feel the love out there for all the yellowtail anglers out there. Absolutely. Jackie, let's get started here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am a marine scientist. I have been living in San Diego for about two years, and I'm the program coordinator for the Blue Latitudes Foundation. We are a nonprofit organization founded Mm -hmm. in 2018 by Emily Hazelwood and Amber Sparks, and we're focused on finding creative solutions to traditional ocean conservation challenges and we have a number of exciting projects happening in california and we'll be getting into some of those today yeah absolutely and i think um the key word is you know we have um a lot of a lot of good things to talk about when including those um you know one, one of our main goals here at cca is artificial reefs or habitat thriving habitat and i know the blue latitude foundation is trying to make that make that a reality here in california Yeah, so we have done a lot of research surrounding the ecosystems that can be found below the surface of California's offshore oil and gas platforms. Maybe some of you listening are really familiar with these platforms and frequent the platforms to fish. Um, But for those of you unfamiliar, there's 27 platforms off the coast of California from Long Beach all the way north of Santa Barbara. And they range in water depth from 35 feet all the way until 1,200 feet. And some of these structures are as large as the Eiffel Tower. So they're quite impressive. And because of their complexity, they um, support these thriving communities of marine life. When these structures are placed in the water, um, some of the pioneer species move in, like mussels and scallops and barnacles. Um, Those species begin to like encrust all over the beams and crossbeams. And over time, fish move in. And some really popular fish species like rockfish and calico bass. Um, sand bass. Sand They're loaded on oh, there. Yeah. yeah, it can be found out on these platforms. And so over time, they become these thriving habitats, which is quite surprising. Yeah, I think a lot of people listening will, will agree, especially in Long Beach, because there's a lot of Long Beach anglers that are out there. Um, those those uh, pilings are just full of life. And, um, you know, when you go out there, you can definitely tell there's more than just... Um, it's aside from like literally nothing but a sand flat, 
there's more than just uh, rock piling, or sorry, the, the concrete pilings that you're seeing down below the water. There is so much life down there. And you're trying to basically, um, well, Blue, Blue uh, Latitude Foundation is trying to evaluate and create a better habitat for these, using these platforms. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so we, right now, are trying to figure out how different stakeholders, like the recreational angler, value these platforms. And so as a foundation, we've done a lot of research, a lot of scuba diving below these platforms across Southern California um, to record the ecosystems that exist. And we're trying to take a closer look at these platforms. Um, and in the future, some of these platforms could be reefed and remain on the water as a permanent artificial reef. And so we're trying to take a closer look at these structures and figure out if that's possible. You're going to hear a lot of uh, people perked up about that. They're going to really <laughs> appreciate that because they want to fish it. You know, it's, it's a great place to go out. Obvious, it's a very obvious place to go and fish, right? There's no hiding behind uh, this giant Eiffel Tower-sized rig out there that's holding fish. So, um, and, and there's a lot of fish, right? And it's not just, um, is, is there migratory fish, pelagic fish that come through there? And yes, them? definitely. And as many of you know, um, a lot of the natural reefs in California have been degraded over time. And so many fish species have moved offshore to these platforms and made these platforms their permanent homes. Um, the platforms also act as a nursery ground for species like rockfish, which are very, you know, frequently fished by recreational um, and commercial anglers. So they definitely have a lot of value. Right. Yeah, and it kind of acts like a safe haven because if you ever tried fishing uh, uh, the oil rigs, when you hook a fish, you got to get it out of there quick or else it's going to go in there and cut you off all the oysters and, and uh, I'm sure it's not oysters, but maybe <laughs> mussels and barnacles and things like that. So they do know how to be safe in there for sure. I'm mind blown that you just said the Eiffel Tower. Made that comparison with the Eiffel Tower. It's is that unreal. From the bottom of the sand all the way up or is that literally above water? Like the Eiffel Tower sized uh um, scale you're talking about the entirety it's the entirety of the structure so the structure okay. does go below the seafloor okay okay that's less impressive than I'm <laughs> <just> saying <laughs> and to answer your question I you know Hilda comes to mind uh, Hilda Heidi up there up north um, I think we were just talking I passed by Gina all the time coming out of Channel Islands Harbor uh, going over to Anacapa and Santa Cruz and all that um, but I think that's pretty much it I remember as a little kid fishing one of those two, Hilda or Heidi, and like you said, Kevin, nothing but sand bass. It was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Have you ever fished? I have never fished in oil rig before, huh. but now I'm tempted. Yeah, so, get out there. Uh -huh, yeah, I'm sure that uh, it's only going to get better now with yeah. you guys involved. So, well, they do that a lot on the um, almost like the southern states, right, in the Gulf and all that with all their rigs. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. In the Gulf of Mexico, over 500 platforms have been successfully reefed. And those structures are managed by um, the neighboring state's artificial reef program. So they've had a really successful program there, and the seafloor in the Gulf of Mexico doesn't provide a lot of habitat naturally. So these platforms um, have added a lot of structure and therefore a lot of fisheries habitat for species in the area. So when it comes to reefing and all that, can you kind of walk us through the whole process as to um, what the Blue Latitude Foundation is, is trying to do, whether it's cutting them off under the seafloor or completely removing them, or how does that process work? Yeah, so the Blue Latitude Foundation is um, hoping to understand 
and communicate the value of these structures as ecosystems. Mm -hmm. The foundation would not be involved in the reefing process, but I can definitely share some sure. of that. Um, Please do, yeah, definitely. Not all platforms would make a good reefing candidate. As mentioned, um, the shallowest platform in California is in 35 feet of water um, and is quite close to the shoreline. So that ne wouldn't necessarily make the best um, candidate for a reef, but some of the platforms that are in deeper water could be great candidates. So if a platform is reefed, the wells are plugged and abandoned per usual as they would be. Um, and there's different, you know, decommissioning options. So a platform could be fully removed, a platform could be toppled in place, um, or it could be partially removed. So for example, a, the upper 85 feet of a platform could be removed, leaving the bottom portion of the structure in the water, um, and then most likely some navigational buoys would be put into place um, so that to avoid entanglement from nets and you're trying to keep the bottom structure intact because that's probably the most valuable, right? So you don't want to take the beams and things like that away from what's already been established as part of the habitat, right? Yeah, the beams and cross beams on most of the structures do go down throughout the water column, um, but that like upper portion that sticks out of the water would be removed. Hmm, okay. It's kind of like, you know, being all those uh, rigs being down there for so long, it's already developed its own ecosystem mm -hmm. and it'd be, you know, it'd be more detrimental to remove that ecosystem or disrupt it in any way as opposed to just letting it, letting it go. Yeah. And at this time, California doesn't have the infrastructure to remove these platforms and recycle them and take them apart. Um, and so within the next five to 10 years, a lot of these structures will be decommissioned. And so right now we are trying to figure out what would be the best scenario for these platforms. And like I said, it's a case by case basis. And the regulators that would be decommissioning these platforms are hoping to talk with different stakeholders to see how they value the platforms. I just want to retract my statement about not being impressive <laughs> uh, because I'm reading on your website. It's a uh, blue latitudes foundation.org. I'm on the projects page and there is an image here. Obviously, I must not be as smart as I thought because I need an image to be able to fix this. <laughs> but uh, there is a uh, little bubble over here that says that uh, California's 27 offshore oil and gas platforms ranging in depth from 35 to 1,200 feet are among the most productive marine habitats globally. 1,200 feet. That's crazy. We can't even fish that deep. I know. Wow. I don't want to fish that deep. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to reel up that deep. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so have you guys done, um, uh, what is it? Remote operated vehicles, ROVs, right? That's the basically underwater submarine that you can control with a remote control. Have you, I see a little, actually I see an image right here. Have you done that uh, much of a, um, uh, is it a survey? Is that what you would call it? A survey of the landscape or below the, the surface of the water and seeing what's down there? Yes. Can you tell us if there's big wing cod down there? <laughs> <laughs> what is it like down there? It's, it's thriving with life. It's quite surprising to pull up below, pull up aside a one of the oil rigs. You have a towering you know, steel, steel structure above you, but below the surface you're met with this vibrant community of like bright pink anemones and scallops and mussels um, and fish and sea lions and 
We do have a remotely operated vehicle made by Deep Trucker, which is a company out of Canada. And we drove our remotely operated vehicle on some of the shallower beams and cross beams um, on platform, platform Eureka. And we were able to see the cross beams completely covered with marine life. And um, it's a great tool that we've been able to use, not just on the platforms, but also for like outreach and education purposes with students in California. Right, because you probably record most of what you're seeing down there, right? Yeah. Is, that, is that on YouTube that you can watch that stuff? There, I think the best place to see our work with the RVs would be on our website. Okay, okay. Hmm. I'm not junkie for that stuff. I don't know, <laughs> like Scripps does their own too, and they do deep water submarine canyons, and it's a trip what's down there. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoy watching it. I know it sounds weird, but I can watch it for <laughs> hours. Most likely just trying to scope out fishing spots, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so Jackie, I want to touch on something that you mentioned earlier. Um, you mentioned that the state of California doesn't have the infrastructure to actually com uh, successfully complete all this. Um, what does that entirely mean? Does that mean we just don't have the equipment or the personnel or even the money? What do you mean by that? Yeah, at this time, we don't have the equipment and the vessels necessary to take apart these structures. That doesn't mean that um, we wouldn't have the infrastructure in place to decommission rigs in the future. But at this time, um, California doesn't have that in place. Um, so Platform Holly in Santa Barbara, um, which many people are familiar with, is undergoing the first stages of decommissioning. Um, it's currently right now in the hands of the state. And so the state is you know, looking to figure out what to do with this platform. Um, and they haven't decided yet what kind of decommissioning they would like to do, whether it's full removal or partial removal. Um, so that's something that we're keeping our eyes on and we'll see what happens with that. So what, what's decision, what decision needs to be made in order for this to actually like successfully be in your guys's uh portfolio like what what needs to be done to make sure that um you know these structures stay up and are still habitats for fish or, for fish and other marine life mm -hmm. i would say there needs to be significant research um, on the platforms which there's been a lot of research um specifically by researchers at university of california santa barbara um, about the communities that exist on the platforms and so getting this research um, out there in the, in the public eye and placing it in the hands of the people that are making these decisions would um, be really impactful. And when you say research, are you using, uh, how, how are you going about the research and what do you need as far as data? Mm -hmm. A lot of the research that has um, taken place on the communities at the platforms has been uh, collected by scuba divers, so doing scientific surveys of the species, species density and diversity, um, and you know, putting all of that research into reports um, and publishing that research so it's available to um, the public and different stakeholders. Right, and and that information is um, public currently. You can you're able to I, I'm able to go and look this up. Yes, if you visit our website under facts and questions, there is a section called papers and resources. Yeah, so if you're listening it. to this and you want to get your hands on some hard data and read some of the more scientific side of what I'm talking about, that would be a great place to visit. I, I definitely, there's quite a bit of information here. <laughs> so every, every link here has got to be a paper, huh? Yes. Wow. Well, this is a, this is definitely a very important part of, um, the resource management that I think that people don't understand, you know, like how do people decide 
what's effective as far as management or um, uh, environmental impacts and how many fish are there. Not a lot of people understand what goes through that. Can you can you walk us through the process of how one of these uh, papers is produced or um, the surveys that is that is done? Can you kind of walk us through that? I know it's probably a long, long conversation, <laughs> but we have an hour, so go ahead. Sure. <laughs> well, to share a small part of the data collection, um, we recently went offshore with a group of scientific divers from UC Santa Barbara um, and these divers specifically had dove every platform in California. And so to um, collect data, they'll go out and do a number of surveys circling the platforms and recording um, the different species that they see and revisit that platform throughout the year over a number of years um, to see how populations are changing. And so that's just one example of a type of data that you could collect at the platforms. So just to get really detailed, you guys are down, divers are down there. Are you, are you diving? I am a diver, but I am not the diver collecting the research. Is the diver reporting back up to someone on the top side to be able to tell them what they're seeing and that person recording the data? Is that what's happening? Because so how is someone supposed to write down there? You yeah, know? that's a good question. Divers have a tablet with a little underwater pencil. And so um, often they'll use that to record data or they'll bring down a waterproof data sheet. Um, where they can record what they're seeing. Okay, and so this is done how many times in a year for the survey? Oh, it really depends. Um, it depends if you're looking at, I guess, juvenile species, you know, if you're looking at um, adult species, or if you are trying to zoom into diff you know, different times of the year when fish are spawning. Um, so it really varies. Okay. Um, the, the did this is this part of a procedure that you have to do in order to get something approved like the um, the rigs turning rigs to reefs project is is that I forgot the name I'm sorry um, but yeah, rigs that, to reefs rigs to reefs is that the name of it I think so that's a pretty cool name actually uh, <laughs> um, but is that the standard operating procedure for um, foundations like yourself to be able to come up with an idea, a concept that might work or might not, to be able to scientifically come up with data to prove out your your idea? I would say it definitely helps. Um, it's having the data to back up the things that we're talking about um, and also having you know video content to show people the habitats that exist down there are all just supporting evidence to um, help show the people that are making the decisions about whether or not to keep the platforms in the water um, to yeah show and and help them to visualize the value of these structures. Okay. Yeah, I think that a lot of people, especially in the fishing community, are really mystified sometimes because they hear the word survey and they get freaked out. You know, it, it, we've had a bad taste in our mouth for some things. And, and I think that, um, you know, one thing that what, what the angling community has said is that they'd like to be participating in it. And there's certainly, um, there has been fishermen participating in surveys recently um, and being able to see if MPAs are effective. So uh, is there any, any possible way you can get fishermen involved with what you're doing? Yes, definitely. This year we have initiated a effort to bring in the recreational angler um, and utilize their experiences as part of a recreational angler survey. Um, so to back up just a bit, last year we 
analyze commercial fishing effort in California surrounding the offshore oil and gas platforms. We wanted so 27 to, of them, right? The 27 okay. of them. So we wanted to see whether or not commercial fishing vessels were fishing in the areas surrounding the platforms. And after we completed that survey, that analysis, we thought, well, we're missing a big group of fishers in California, and that's the recreational fishers. And so this year, we have designed a recreational angler survey um, to identify the kinds of species that recreational anglers are fishing on the platforms and to also see how often recreational anglers are visiting these platforms and whether or not they have an opinion about the decommissioning of these structures. And I would like to say, kind of to your point, there often is a disconnect with community members and lawmakers and scientists. And being in the marine science field for a while, I've seen that disconnect and it causes a lot of confusion. And so the point of this survey that we have designed um, and that we'll be putting out for people to take is to bring, basically to elevate the voice of the recreational angler because the opinions of the recreational angler matter. um, And we want to collect the data um, and, you know, and put that out there. And, And how do you get this information? How does someone participate in the recreational angling side of the survey? Sure. So the survey will be posted on the Blue Latitudes Foundation website. It will also be um, posted soon on the social media platforms of the CCA of California, as well as the Blue Latitudes Foundation. It is anonymous. It takes less than five minutes to complete. Um, have you taken it? You said you took it. Yeah, earlier, I took right? it. It's it's very simple. Okay. Very simple. Cool. Thanks, well, Chris. Chris, yeah. walk us through it. What is it like? <laughs> um, you know, granted, I took the survey about a week ago, so I don't remember off the top of my head, but let me find it. Um, you know, when it comes to data collection and, and all that, the fishermen, Kevin, you, you probably know, have been kind of through, almost through the ringer um, when it comes Definitely. to information and trying to volunteer that information, um, and rightfully so. Um, any you know reassurances that you can give or any encouragement that you can give to the fishing community out there? Sure. As mentioned, the survey is anonymous, and this survey is an opportunity for um, you to support data that will that aims to support fisheries habitat. Um, the survey, you know, wants to analyze how recreational anglers are interacting with these platforms, um, and as mentioned. You know, in the next five to ten years, these platforms will be decommissioned, and we want to have that information in place to show stake to show stakeholders and regulators, you know, the different kinds of people that value these platforms. Um, you know, there's a lot of charter boats that head out to these platforms to fish, um, and they've become a really important fisheries habitat, and so we want to protect them. And, and the goal is to create a better fishing environment so anglers can go out there and fish these, right? It's not closed off. This is not a closed-off uh, initiative. Correct. They would be accessible for fishing. All right. Yeah, yeah you're hitting all <laughs> the green lights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, awesome. Well, Jackie, on, on a side note, you mentioned that you were a diver, correct? Have you been able to dive on these platforms yourself? Yes, I dove on the platforms the first time last year, and it was an incredibly eye-opening experience. Which, um, which ones? We dove on platform Eureka and Ellen. Okay. The how how deep Beach. are those? Ooh. Are they, are they really deep? Platform Eureka is in 700 feet of water. Whoa. I, oh. I can't remember how deep platform... <laughs> 
Ellen is. Um, I went to about 60 feet on each dive to where the first cross beam on is. A single breath hold. <laughs> oh, I'm totally kidding. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Did you? <laughs> yeah, free diver, not diver. There you go. Yeah. Um, a lot of respect right there right off the bat. So you're going down there, obviously, with tanks, and um, you're spending, a, what, an hour and a half down there seeing what's down there? About 45 minutes. Okay. okay. So we'd head to the deepest uh, point in our dive first. We went to about 60 feet. And we're able to do almost like a circumnav of the platform and then swim within the platform. And as Whoa. mentioned, everything is covered with marine life. Right. Mm-hmm. Thousands of sea stars and big scallops and big mussels. And we were visited by a lot of curious sea lions as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah, they, they are definitely very happy there, I'm sure. But uh, no otters or anything like that. Odd things that you would have seen in passing through there, right? Nothing, no. Nothing crazy? Nothing crazy. Yeah. So what about Joe, whales? We didn't see any whales. We saw huh. some dolphins on our way offshore. All right. All right. Jackie, just kind of um, going through my memory and all that stuff, going back to the survey and all that, um, these questions that you've come up with, that the Blue Latitude Foundation has come up with, um, you know, relatively easy questions really kind of trying to draw back from your experience as an angler fishing those platforms and really method of fishing and how how you fish and what you do catch at the platform. So relatively easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for example, one of the questions asks, how many times a year do you visit the platforms to fish? Mm-hmm. Um, what kinds of species do you catch, as you mentioned? And there's boxes that you can check for the different species that you've caught in the past. So really straightforward. Um, And towards the end, there's a section where you can put your input about decommissioning if you do have an opinion about decommissioning these structures. Interesting. Have you, is there a way to tell where what, um, I guess, geographic region region to where um, do more people in this area fish more reefs more or rigs more often than others or whatnot? Have you been able to tell? Um, you know, where, where people are fishing these rigs? We have not. We actually haven't put the survey out live yet. Okay. Um, so you might have been our first surveyor. Oh, Congratulations. glad to do it. <laughs> but Any that price? is something we're interested in. Okay. I don't think he'll be your last either. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah unless he's the only one fishing reefs or oil, oil rigs out there. <laughs> no, there's going to be plenty of people that are going to support this for sure. If, if it's pro fishing, which it, it, it definitely, um, it sounds like, very much so. Um, you know, the anglers want to be able to fish places where there's better fishing. Um, obviously, oil rigs provide a lot of that. Great habitats. And they want to be able to feel like they're participating in something, um, especially if, if a foundation's involved like Blue Latitudes. We, you know, I think that it's important for, for anglers to be able to support science. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, we've definitely had you know bitterness because of science but i think it's time to be able to backtrack a little bit undo this and say that you know science does support this part especially this part of the england community and i think that a lot of people should research this for sure build up their own opinions and uh you know ask questions and make sure that those questions you know if they're um inclusive on on data they should be feeling a little bit more comfortable as far as what this will do so um I think that a lot of people will uh, give their credible feedback too, because I think you're you're really reliant on accurate uh, data, right? It's not just some um, you can't just go on there and just blow off and make false like surveys, right? Yes, we'd definitely appreciate for people who have been fishing on the platforms to contribute um, 
their experiences. It sounds like the charter boats would really help out with this too, you know, especially if they're fishing it so, off. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like something that uh, would benefit, you know, a lot of in in a, in. Not to say that there isn't plenty of good fishing up there, but Santa Barbara area can be pretty sandy. Not a lot of rocky areas, so these oil rigs probably provide a lot of great rock fishing opportunities. Mm-hmm. Jackie, just to kind of take it back, I'll just a touch to a more general view. Um, on the Blue Latitude site, um, there's two key words that I kind of wanted to touch on is um, ocean stewardship. In your eyes, or I guess in the foundation's eyes, what does that mean to you guys? That's a great question. In my eyes, being an ocean steward is someone that is advocating for a healthy ocean. And of course, there's a lot of challenges that are facing our ocean right now. Warming temperatures, destruction of natural habitat, ocean acidification. Pollution. Pollution, um, specifically with plastic. And so um, we aim to be ocean stewards by doing the research um, and doing the work to um, help find solutions to some of these challenges that are facing the ocean. And some of these challenges are complex. For example, the oil and gas platforms off the coast of California. And so they're really going to take a creative solution. And that's what we're working towards as a foundation. Yeah, it's, it's uh, a great start to probably getting to even better projects done too. You know, it's just, this is something that's probably more core to the England community than some uh, recent uh, projects that I remember. Um, certainly the, the fact that you can keep it open and fishing is, is very important. So, mm-hmm. um, but Stuart, I don't know how you feel about anglers and certainly the question can come up, but um, we really have a passion for conservation. There will be no better person out there to, to help conserve the environment than those using it the most, right? So um, we, we definitely have the opportunity to go out there and tell you what it's like. We want, to know, we want you to know that you know, there's people out there that have an incentive to make sure that the fisheries for the future are still there for their grandkids and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we feel that the perspective of, of fishers, whether you're fishing recreationally or commercially, is so important because you're the people that are out there on the water catching the fish and you have such a better understanding. So that's why we're reaching out to these communities um, to get your opinion and to get your feedback. And the electronic survey that will be posted by the CCA and the Blue Latitudes Foundation is one part of the recreational English survey. The other part is that we've partnered with Newport Landing Whale Watching um, to go out on some of their charter fishing vessels to survey people in person. So we have another method of collecting connecting with recreational anglers. And are these the same people that are working for the um, California Department of Wildlife? They're they're wearing brown shirts and and got the scales, or not scales, but the the boards. Are they the same kind of people? So the people people distributing the recreational survey will be myself and Amber Sparks, who's the co-president. So if you are ever in the Newport area, you might see myself and Amber. Say hi to Jackie and Amber. in, In the fall. All right, what boat, do you know? Uh, I don't know at this time. You, you should have a little yeah. schedule, a charter schedule. <laughs> We're working on it. Blue we, found, the Blue Latitudes Foundation charter schedule. You'll yeah. have anglers right on there. We are hoping to get on some of the twilight trips that go out to the platforms. Oh, okay. okay. Big sand bass time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I was just about to say, so, you know, I know we talked before, you don't really fish that much and all that, but the charters on, out of Newport, perfect opportunity. 
Good fishery. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good, that's good to hear. Yeah. She'll be busy, man. People are going to be pulling up sand bass sculping the whole time. She's going to be measuring oh, yeah. fish. I'll bring some extra data sheets for the trips. <laughs> have you done a survey yet with anglers on a boat yet? Has that happened? We have not. So this is really like the kind of kickoff of the Recreational Angler Survey. Fall of 2022. Yes. Okay. Well, you have to get us a schedule yeah. because I think that's very interesting. People would love to participate in that. Okay. Yeah, and, and and they would love to be able to put on a 26-inch sand bass and be like, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. I know it. Or or your favorite yellowtail, but they'll eh, it could be it could be on and off, could be. But how about squid? Have you ever seen any squid or hear about squid on the rigs? We. You know. Told you, I ask hard questions. <laughs> I haven't actually. I know that there's a lot of commercial fishing boats up north that are fishing for squid, but as far as recreationally. All right, hear that, guys? Squid's off limits on the boat rigs. All right. <laughs> no, it's um that I was actually watching. I know this is completely off topic, but we're on a podcast or so whatever. Yeah. We're on a CCA podcast, which is a little more important than just any podcast, you know. But uh, I was what was I watching? Um, our our planet. I think that's what it was on Netflix. They were talking about the um, shift in uh, going from fin fish, as far as the you know, majority of the biomass for um, uh, forage, to squid. What do you know? What I'm talking about? Is the, I mean, David Attenborough, he's great at making you convince anything <laughs> you watch. But that is literally that's something. The right voice for yeah. It. Yes. Have you heard anything like that before? I, I haven't. I haven't seen the episode that you're referring to, but I hypothesize that it could be because populations of finfish are a little bit lower, and so fisheries are shifting to a different species. Hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what they were talking about. It was like a shift to, because, yeah. you know, squid have less predators, right, at that point. And they're a more sustainable fishery. Hmm. Because their lifespan's really short, right? Exactly. Less than a year mm-hmm. for market squid. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't understand how how fast the squid fishery really goes around. In 2010, I remember being out there in La Jolla for two years, there was nothing but squid beds. Two years straight. Wow. It was really something, and, and, and it hasn't happened since for me, but it was incredible. Every day you go out there and there was a squid bed of some sort. So I know it's off topic. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. I was curious to know if there was a scientific idea that, that matched up to what Adbro was saying. <laughs> Um, Jackie, one one question about the survey. Um, if you've never fished a rig before, um, can you still take it? So we are just interested in people that have fished on the rigs okay. at this time. Um, we definitely appreciate the interest of people that haven't fished on the rigs. Um, and there could be future surveys where we'd like to hear from you as well. But just for this survey, we're focused on people that have fished the platforms in the past. Okay. But it, this is after a trip, right? So someone goes out there and does a trip. You want their feedback as soon as possible, like to be fresh and still on. Yes. What is the data that you're getting out of this survey? Is it depth? Is it times? Is it place? All of the above? So we are looking species. at um, the frequency of fishing. So how many times last year or this year so far that you have been fishing on the platforms. We're looking at gear type, at species that you've caught, um, and also if you have a decommissioning preference oh, so as okay. far as full removal of platforms, partial removal, um, or even alternative use. Um, there's talk of 
um, oil platforms could be converted into um, offshore wind sites or sites for you know, research or labs. So mm-hmm. we'd love to hear your opinion about that at the end of the survey. Hmm. And, and when is the deadline to be able to complete your, your data collection? Like how many years are you looking for? as far as the surveys being taken? Is it only just the fall? So we're going to be launching the survey on the Blue Lot, on social media in general next week. Um, and the survey will be up and live and available to, um, to be reviewed until the summer. Um, we haven't set an end date yet, um, but definitely if this is something that interests you, I would say get on the website and do it sooner rather than later. Hmm. Yeah, I think that... Uh, a lot of people are, are really going to be able to understand a better, uh, get a better understanding of what Blue Labs is doing and essentially, you know, discover how they can participate in something that's going to be very good for the fishery. So, Jackie, you kind of brought up something that I want to hit on. So you are asking within the survey, within the in-person surveys and all that, how exactly we, you know, the anglers um, wish that these rigs be turned into reefs or whatnot um and then you mentioned wind and, and everything um and then earlier you also said by toppling um can you go more into that or i guess my question is how many different ways can a rig be turned into a reef mm. so there's a number um a number of ways toppling means taking that structure um potentially removing that upper portion and just pushing it over so it would lay on its side on the seafloor um, in the Gulf of Mexico, there have been cases where they've taken the structure and dragged it to a specific area where there's a bunch of reefed platforms all in one. So it's like a reefing site, um, which makes it a little bit easier if you're fishing. You know exactly where that site is. You know that there's a lot of habitat and all congregated together. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, there are a number of ways. Before they topple a rig, are they removing all the hazardous waste that's on there? Yes, and so that upper portion that's sticking out of the water would be removed, and whether or not a platform is reefed in place or removed, all of the wells that are connected to that platform are plugged and abandoned. Okay, you said removal of the platform, right? That's like uh, nothing on top, it's just the beams standing. So removal of the platform would be the entire structure comes out of the water. Oh, beams are out. Everything is out from seafloor to surface. Okay. There's partial removal, which would be removing the upper 85 feet of the structure, for example. But it's still underwater, so you won't see anything, right? So there's going to be just 85, or the top 85 is removed off the from the surface down. Correct. So there's nothing visual that you'll be able to see. Correct. Okay. Another option is to topple in place, lay that structure down on its side. Um, or to drag it to an area that's specific for reefing. Is that going to allow for someone to see that oil rig still? The, the toppled version? The no, toppled it would be underwater. And so that's definitely a consideration, a concern when reefing, is how do we reef these structures in a way that's safe navigation-wise. Mm-hmm. So that could be you know, inserting um, navigational buoys around that area, surrounding that area to make sure boats are aware of it. So the only way to identify these reefs would be one to have a GPS mark and maybe possibly to I'm not sure I didn't mention it but a buoy of some sort. Okay. 
Yeah. What, what do you think's better? What do you think's best? Uh, the three options. I think it depends on the platform. If the platform is in a couple hundred feet of water, um, at least, I think partial removal would be really beneficial to, um, to marine life to leave some of that platform in the water um, to continue acting as an artificial reef. And that would be the top 85 is uh, gone. Is removed, right. yes. Okay. It, also, it almost seems like it's cir- uh, circumstantial, depending on the different variables of the reef, or I'm sorry, of the rig and all that. Definitely, and there are some platforms that are um, in areas of high traffic in the ocean mm-hmm. or areas that are um, pretty shallow or maybe areas where there's a lot of current. So there's many different variables that would go into mm-hmm. the decision-making process of whether to reef a structure or not. Okay. Getting, you know, getting into the, I guess, the technicality a little bit and all that, um, when it comes to the process of turning these, actually turning these rigs into reefs and all that, um, obviously you said that the, the state of California doesn't have the infrastructure yet to do that. Is this something that a either a private company or a foundation or organization like Blue Latitudes um, could be could come in and do and try and basically make all that happen? Or is that something kind of reliant on the state and they have to do it? It depends who owns the platform. So Mm -hmm. Platform Holly, for example, in Santa Barbara is now owned by the state. Some of the other platforms are owned by the oil companies. Mm -hmm. And so the oil companies have the option whether or not they want to reef the platform. Um, But they're not forced to. They have to elect to do so. They are not forced to. Um, They would have to decide to do that. And there is like a... There is a law in place in California to allow for the reefing of the structure, Assembly Bill 2503, but to date, a platform has not been reefed in California. Hmm. Some of the platforms in California are inactive, others are actively drilling. Um, So in the next few years, um, the life cycle of many of these platforms will come to an end and that decision will have to be made. So there's uh, not just oil rigs, in the ocean, there's also uh, drilling sites on land. So one of them's in, um, uh, oh my gosh, Huntington Beach. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. How how can uh, is there is there eventuality of uh, someone like Blue Water or sorry, um, the Blue Latitudes Foundation to get involved into making uh, those sites more environmentally friendly especially towards fish and that that place definitely has spotties guaranteed for sure big (laughs) ones so um is there something on land that can be done as well aside from just what's on out what you guys are doing out in water yeah that's a great question we have definitely focused our efforts in the past and currently on the platforms that exist you know out there offshore um but i think there is an opportunity there in huntington beach and elsewhere for those operations that are taking place along the coast um, to see whether or not those platforms can be reefed or whether or not they can operate in a more like environmentally friendly way. There's, there's definitely a lot of people that um, I heard an outcry for that that uh, are concerned about that kind of site, you know, and um, it's already a protected area, but there's still drilling going on, which doesn't make any sense, you know? So um, I, think that, I think that, you know, what you guys are trying to do is a lot more fishing centric than things that we are used to as far as like a foundation coming in and trying to benefit um, in both the environment and anglers. Mm-hmm. A rare thing that's ever occurred. And I, I think that people, um, what, what is, uh, 
Um, what is your message to the angling community as far as like gathering interest and support uh, or, or basically researching themselves? What, what is your message to them? So our message is that we're interested in how you're utilizing these platforms and how you're interacting with these platforms. And we value your feedback and your experiences out there fishing. Um, and this is a great opportunity to contribute to a piece of science that um, could impact what happens with these habitats. That I'm all for that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So which one are you going to go fish first, Chris? Oh, man. So many. There's yeah. so, so many, many to choose from. But there's some off, there's some off of uh, the beaches, though. There are some rigs right out there. Mm-hmm. But you, you, you said um, Long Beach. Is that your cutoff for this project? So the Huntington Beach is kind of a gray area, I guess. I mean, if you look a certain direction, it would yeah. probably be there. But is there like a latitude cutoff? Our area of focus, I will say, is the area surrounding the platforms, which are situated off the coast of Long Beach, starting with the Beta Field, going all the way north to Santa Barbara. So if you have fished any of those platforms, um, we're interested in hearing from you on the survey. How do people um, that are interested in in what Blue Latitudes Foundation and what they do, how how is someone um, able to contribute or participate uh, financially or otherwise? What what is what is uh, the best thing that we can do to help you? First off, if you are a recreational angler, we'd love to hear from you on the survey. Other ways that you can support us are on our website. Um, you can donate to the projects that we're doing in California. Um, You can also stay up to date with um, events that are happening within the foundation by following our website, our Instagram, our Facebook. That's really where our most up-to-date information is going to be. Um, In the future, we may be looking for volunteers, and we'd love to have people volunteer with the foundation as well. I was looking at your Instagram, by the way. It is awesome. There is a lot of great pictures and understanding like what you guys do. I think people can really find a lot of visual understanding there. Um, you guys have YouTube as well? We do. And there are a lot of videos on our YouTube um, about the platforms and the habitats that exist there. So if you are have been listening to this podcast and you're having a tough time imagining what could be below the surface of a platform, I encourage you to go to our YouTube channel and watch those videos. And that's going to be a great visual for you. And if you're interested in continuing to listen to this kind of conversation surrounding the platforms, um, there's an event coming up um, led by Orange County Coast Keeper. It's a symposium titled Retiring Offshore Rigs. So co-president of the Blue Latitudes Foundation, Amber Sparks, will be speaking. Um, where, where at and when? It is on April Go ahead. 21st, I believe. It is next Thursday. All right. And you can attend in person. You can also attend virtually. So to find more information, you can visit the Orange County Coastkeeper website. Um, and it's free, I believe, to be involved virtually. And there's a number of speakers that are taking place all day. Um, so it's going to be a great resource for you if you're interested in this topic. The day of the podcast. The day of the podcast. Today. Yeah. When you're listening. <laughs> today. It's weird to say that. Mm-hmm. Today, the survey will be on our social media along with our website and all that. So you can actually go take it right now after this episode ends, of course. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and just a question about Amber. Um, and Sorry, did she have another partner in this foundation that developed this? What's her name? Yes, Emily Hazelwood. What is their background and what, what, how are they um, 
leading the charge? Are they leading the charge here? Aside from yourself, you seem to be leading the charge here. <laughs> I'm leading the charge today on the podcast. I'm representing Blue Latitudes Foundation for sure, but Emily and Amber um, founded the foundation in 2018. Um, they met at Scripps when they were earning their master's degree there, um, and they are have been working in the rig space for a number of years, so they're very well informed um, and have really been leading the charge on this project for the foundation. And, and, and they, do they fish? I believe they do. All right. Yeah. Okay. So now you're going to have to drop a line for real. Like yeah. gonna, we're going to have to see you, you know, posting on Instagram and stuff. We want to see you in action. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, Jackie, before we let you go, would you be willing to come back on the podcast in the future? Sure. After all the surveys done and all that, it'd be kind of interesting to learn about what... Step uh, by step. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yes, definitely. And that's something we um, you know, are aware of, too. We want to be collecting this data, but also make this data publicly available to the people that are contributing to it. That's really important to us. And so it would be great to do a follow-up episode to share our results um, and answer any further questions about the project. When can we expect you to come back with like your update? When, when should we get you back? I'd say towards the end of this year. Um, we are planning to do our electronic survey, as mentioned, um, spring into summer, and then we are planning to do the like in-person surveys on the charter boats later in the fall and the winter. So it'd be a little bit of time for us to analyze the data. That sounds that sounds like a great idea. Let's get you on after some of these charter trips to get your feedback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, the, and your fishing reports. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When and where. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you ever want to do um, make that schedule or whatnot, when you'll be on the boats up there and all that stuff, we'd love to be involved too. Okay. Sounds great. Yeah, for sure. We'll get a lot of anglers on those boats. Yeah. Yeah. They want to make sure they want to make sure you're happy. Max capacity. There you go. (laughs) Awesome. Kevin, you got anything, man? It's always a great show. Every single week. We just get better and better at this, you know. And and honestly, we have great guests that just make us look really good, Chris. But they make (laughs) especially CCA look great. We are happy to have all the support out there from listeners like you. And we want to make sure that we're providing the great content that we are every week. So join CCA. It's extremely important that you join up with an annual membership, a lifetime membership, and especially join your chapters. It's very important to participate. And we want to make sure that you have a great experience on the water and keep having it for your future. So join CCA. Make sure you listen to next week when we have another great guest on the CCA podcast. Absolutely. And guys, don't forget about our Contribute to Conservation program where you can donate as little as $10 a month. It really does make a difference in our resources as well. Jackie, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. It's been great to be here. Absolutely. Guys, that is it for this week. Thank you so much. We will see you guys next week. Take care, everyone.